welcome back to the Take a Trip podcast. This is episode two and I am so excited for this episode because the story is just so intense. There's a lot of twists and turns and there's just so much information to digest about this case. Listener discretion is advised for this episode due to morbid themes including murder and post-mortem exam results. I mean, no disrespect to anyone I mentioned in this episode, and all of the sources I used will be linked below. A special shout out to the Dark Histories podcast on this case, because it was very in-depth and I got quite a lot of information from there. Today I'm going to be speaking about a small town cop called Alan Godfrey and his series of really strange encounters. I'm usually a skeptic when it comes to people's sightings of UFOs because There's often really logical explanations for all of them. For example, when Elon sent those weird satellites into the sky, I remember seeing loads of people posting on Snapchat like, oh my god, there's aliens, they're landing on Earth. I think everyone wants to be that person with the cool story to tell. You want to be that person who pulls up to a family dealer like, hey, I just saw a UFO. Everyone wants to be that person, and when they see weird things and weird phenomena, they don't take into consideration the logical explanation a lot of the time. Don't get me wrong, I do believe in the existence of other intelligent life in space, but I just find it really hard to digest some of these stories that people come forward with just because they just don't make sense sometimes. Certain things don't add up and some of them just seem really out there. But with this case, I just didn't get that vibe at all. If anything, there's a lot of twists and turns and strange coincidences and just weird context to this story that just all seems to line up perfectly with a lot of the out there theories. You're gonna see why this case gained a lot of popularity back in the 1980s. This case takes place in the 1980s in Todmorden, which is a very scenic town in the South Pennine Mountains in Yorkshire. Tormodon is described by most sources as a very beautiful laid-back place to live. It was an industrial town, spinning, weaving and distributing cotton, and the community is relatively small and close. One of the well-respected people in this community at the time was Police Constable Alan Godfrey. Alan was born in 1950 and he had joined the police force in Tormodon in 1974 when he was just 24 years old. Alan quickly became known for his deep investigations into murders and other strange cases that happened in Topperton and surrounding areas. However, none of the cases he previously investigated were as strange as the one he would be called to on June the 9th, 1980. Alan was radioed to attend a suspected murder scene at Tomlin's coal yard. On that morning, one of the coal yard owner's sons was working in the yard. He had started his day there at 8am and had a relatively normal day at work until he made the gruesome discovery at 3.45pm. He found a man's unresponsive body laying on a 10-foot pile of coal and he mentioned in a report that the body had given him an unmistakable eerie feeling. Tomlins was described by Dark History's podcast as an isolated horseshoe-shaped industrial unit sitting alongside some train tracks in Todmorden. So Alan and his colleague PC Malcolm Hagley had arrived to the scene at 4.10pm. Trevor Parker, the man who discovered the body, told the policeman that he'd just been doing his normal afternoon truck deliveries and then he stumbled across the body. And he went on to tell them that he had visited the same site before he discovered the body and he said he was certain that there was nobody there when he was last near that pile of coal. 
It was just as if the body had just appeared out of nowhere, almost as if it had fallen out of the sky. Alan and PC Hagley approached the body and they noticed a few strange things straight away. The man was laying face up and on his face was an expression that the police officers described as pure terror. They said that it looked like something had really frightened this man before he died, so frightening that it could have potentially scared him to death. The other weird thing that they noticed was that this man was found on top of 10 foot pile of coal, yet he didn't have one speck of coal dust on him. Alan noticed how the man's clothes seemed very messy. The buttons on his suit jacket looked as though they'd been done up in a rush and the man lacked a t-shirt under his jacket. His trousers were also very messily put on and it looked as though someone had just put the clothes on for him. After the discovery of the body, police officers were then faced with the tedious task of identifying who this person was. So they started to go through all of the missing people in Todmorden and surrounding areas and eventually they came across their man, Zygmunt Adamski. Zygmunt was born in Poland in 1923 and he immigrated to England in 1945 when he was 22 years old. He was forced to flee his home country due to the war and decided to come over to the UK to stay. And when he came over here, he found a beautiful woman called Leocadia. Uh, she was known as Lottie. He fell in love with her and ended up marrying her in 1951. They settled down together and lived a very laid-back life in the quiet town of Tingley, which is just around 30 miles away from Todmorden. Zygmunt's wife Lottie had multiple sclerosis and he took time away from work to care for her. She became wheelchair-bound and was pretty much dependent on Zygmunt's helping hand. And he was not doing so great himself. He was a heavy smoker and his health was beginning to decline. So he was trying to get an early retirement from his job at a coal mine. I heard from multiple sources that his request for the early retirement was actually rejected. At the time of his disappearance, Zygmunt was 56 years old and he was last seen heading towards a local shop to buy some potatoes for dinner for him and his wife. He took his jacket, which contained his wallet, loose change, and a driving license. Pretty normal stuff if you're only heading to the shop. He was in high spirits that day because he was due to attend his goddaughter's wedding. That was the next day, and he'd be looking forward to this wedding for some time, but unfortunately, he'd never be able to witness it. Zygmunt just disappeared into thin air. His family initially thought he disappeared due to depression from his retirement request being rejected. His wife grew worried and she reported him missing to the Wakefield police. Before he was discovered, the police were completely stumped on where the hell he could be. But just five days later, Zygmunt's body was discovered 30 miles away from his home in Tingley. And no one could come up with how on earth he died or even how he ended up in that coal yard so many miles away. His body was sent off for an autopsy and Alan Edwards inspected Zygmunt's body further and this is where things get weird. Zygmunt's time of death was estimated to be between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., presumably on the day that he was found. He'd been dead for at least eight hours before he was found, which would mean that his body would have been placed on top of the pile of coal while the men were working in the yard. How didn't they see anyone disposing of a body on a 10-foot-tall pile of coal? It was also found that Zygmunt's wallet and watch were missing and they were never found. And on the back of Zygmunt's head and neck, there was what appeared to be bubbling chemical burns. There was also a strange green ointment that was found to be applied to these burns. 
the autopsy found that the burns had happened two days before he died. They also looked at the contents of his stomach and they found that he had eaten well each day that he was missing. So Zygmunt's hair was also reported to be scraggly and cut unevenly and his facial hair also showed one day's worth of growth which was so weird considering he was missing for days. I also mentioned that his clothes seemed to be put on in a rush or it looked as though someone had tried to put them on for him. The autopsy technician actually suggested that he had been dressed post-mortem, meaning that someone had dressed him after he had already passed away. Remember the weird green ointment that I said about earlier that was found on Zygmunt's burns? Well, they sent this off to a toxicologist and something really weird happened. The toxicologist couldn't figure out what that substance actually was and they could not come with any similar substance on planet Earth, which is just weird to me. That's really spooky. So as you can imagine, once all these details got out, the local media started to obsess over this case. And as you already know, with the media, there's lots of theories put forward by family members, conspiracy theorists, and even Alan Godfrey came forward. Before I get into the theories and the whole ordeal with Alan Godfrey, I just want to quickly say that you should probably follow my Instagram, which is at Take A Trip Podcast, because I'm going to be posting all the photographs of the people I speak about, along with the photos of where the case takes place, so you can build a better picture in your mind when you're listening to the podcast. And you can also suggest me some cases via DM. Fun. So yeah, go follow me over there. Zygmunt's wife Lottie maintained the theory that her husband had been kidnapped, but other people suggested other theories, such as Zygmunt being killed by a Soviet intelligence agency called the KGB, and they were known for silencing people with anti-communist ideas. Had they traced Zygmunt down and kidnapped and killed him? Other people suggested that he'd been struck by lightning or had simply climbed the stack of coal to pass away on top of it. Something I found when I was researching was really interesting. It really sparked my interest. And that was that Zygmunt was a relative of George Adamski, a well-known Polish-American UFO contactee and researcher. And he wrote numerous books on his experiences with alien life and even claimed that he'd been abducted by them. Had he triggered the aliens to take his distant relative over in the UK? This info is just one of those weird things where it's like, okay, cool, I've got this knowledge, but what do I actually do with it? I feel like it has some importance to the case in terms of maybe that could explain why Zygmunt died in such a strange way. But then again, when you look at the accountability of all these stories and if you can trust them, you can't really do much with the information full stop. It doesn't really get you anywhere and it definitely doesn't solve Zygmunt's case. Each theory would spark the same question, why? And what happened in those days before his death? Alan Godfrey came to the media with a suggestion, and it was kind of out there, but he had his own reasons for not disregarding this theory. Alan's thought on this case was alien abduction. Whoa, right? A policeman telling people that a deceased man was taken by aliens. It sounds insane, but... Actually, at this time, a lot of people kept this theory as an option. You see, Todmorden was a place where people claimed to see strange things. 
unidentified flying objects, weird sounds, weird lights, and time lapses. Our man Alan Godfrey claimed to even witness it himself. He explained his story in numerous interviews, and during my research, I actually noticed that his story didn't change at all, one bit over the years. He even wrote a book called Who and What Were They, which detailed his experience. Six months after he was called to investigate the death of Zygmunt, he was back to life as usual. But on the 28th of November, 1980, Alan was radioed to attend a disturbance at 5pm on Burnley Road, just one mile away from the coal yard where Zygmunt's body had been found. Cows were found to be wandering around an estate and the residents were complaining about it, rightly so. Alan set off on his own to take a look at this weird situation and uh, he said this never happened and when he actually arrived there he said it looked like someone had literally just plonked the cows in the place where they were found. It was just so strange and he didn't even know how they ended up there. As he drove his car down Burnley Road towards the cattle, he said this bright light just came out of nowhere and it was so bright that he had to cover his eyes. When he opened his eyes and they started to focus on the light, he said he was startled when he saw a huge diamond-shaped rotating object in the middle of the road. He had a pad and pen next to him, so his first instinct was to try and draw this down as quickly as possible. Which, I guess, makes a bit of sense, because, I mean, if you see something so weird, you would at least want to be able to sketch it so you know what it looks like for later reference when you tell your story, I guess. I posted a photo of this drawing on my Instagram, so go check it out. He said it appeared to be 20 foot long and 14 feet wide. It was a metallic dome with a row of windows. So when he saw this, he immediately tried to call for backup on his radio because he was scared and he needed someone to come and see what he was seeing. The light seemed to brighten and his radio wasn't working, as if something was interfering with it. So eventually the light just became unbearable and everything began to spin for him. And in the blink of an eye, he found himself 30 yards down the road. He woke up and felt like he was in a daze and he actually completely lost his memory for around 15 to 30 minutes and he still doesn't know what actually happened in that time span. When he looked down, he noticed that his boot was split and he had this strange itchy red spot on his foot. Some sources claim that this red spot was similar to the burns found on Zygmunt's body. Alan came forward about his experience and was immediately ridiculed about his claims. Superiors in the police force began to taunt and bully him and eventually forced him to resign from the force. This caused Alan to remain silent about his case for a few decades because he just felt like he couldn't speak about it without people making fun of him. Alan said he would not disregard the theory that the strange object he saw on that day may have had some connection with Zygmunt's very strange death. And another strange thing happened to Alan a short while after the encounter that he had. Before the encounter, he was actually injured during a pursuit of a violent offender. Um, he got attacked and was told that he would no longer be able to conceive kids because of where his injury was. However, after the strange encounter, his wife actually fell pregnant. So when Alan went to the doctor to see what the hell was happening, how did she get pregnant? He was informed that he was actually fertile again. So what was this? Was this like a medical mishap? Was this just like one of those weird things where your body just decides to switch up? Or did something happen to him when he disappeared for those 30 minutes? A few years later, he also went under hypnosis and this was guided by a solicitor called Harry Harris and they just wanted to do this to try and figure out what actually happened in that 30 minute window. During the hypnosis, it just gets a bit crazy here, okay? Hear me out. 
Alan claimed to see an alien man named Joseph and Joseph was a nice guy and he had a beard and he was dressed like someone from the Bible and Joseph also had some little assistants with him, emphasis on the little. Alan described them as having bulb-like heads. I think some sources also said they looked like sort of lamps. They were physically examining Alan and asking him lots of questions. But after his hypnosis, Alan sort of came to his senses and he said, hey, maybe that was a dream. Maybe that's a hallucination because I don't actually remember any of that happening at all. So when he turned 70, he actually recanted that statement and said, I don't think that was the absolute truth. Which, honestly, good for him, because not many people can admit when they think that they told a lie or they just imagined something. And that's why a lot of alien cases aren't necessarily trustworthy, because people do often fill in the blanks. You know, something weird can happen to someone, but they are not going too far and filling in the blanks, and it just doesn't make sense. So he did recant that statement, but he did release some secret papers back in 2019, saying that in 2003, he saw, quote, six lights that split at one point, becoming eight lights that were orange and red in colour. What do you think about that? Let me know. I want to hear your opinions on that story. I don't know, I thought the whole Joseph thing was kind of funny, like the thought of an alien with a beard, I don't know why that just really took me out. But anyways, there have been a lot of other reports for UFO sightings in Todmorden, and that is why a tenth of UFO sightings that are recorded in the British Isles are found in Todmorden. And it's weird that this small area is just such an active place, but then it makes sense considering they're in the mountains. You would think that, you know, out in remote areas like that would be an ideal place for extraterrestrial life to come and sort of roam around because it's not in a overly populated area. So I'm just going to share a couple more stories about some more UFO sightings. These are just really quick short ones. First we have the fact that three police officers, PC Baxter, PC Turnpenny and PC Porter, they each claim to see a quote, very bright steel blue flashing light high in the sky moving left to right over Withins Moor. And air control was actually told about this and they later came out and said that they couldn't detect any aircrafts in the area at, this, at the time. So they didn't have any aircrafts that they knew of there, so could it have been something else? In 1989, a landlady of a pub was called by her husband to look outside. And when she looked outside, she saw this small light hovering above the moors. And then it slowly started to travel towards them at around 15 miles per hour. And this woman said all she could see was just this bright light. And eventually it just stopped and started to hover over the car park. And she described it as it just lit the entire place up. It was like daylight when it sort of hovered over. And she said she saw absolutely nothing like it. Also, in July 1995, three people reported an object hovering above their house in Halifax, which was nearby Todmorden. They said that they were in their back garden as they watched, and it looked like the planet Saturn with the ring around it, but it had red portholes and four blue lights, and it was literally just hovering above their garden. They said it made these weird jerky movements before flying away towards Sowerby Bridge. Sowerby Bridge? I'm not sure how to say that which I don't like that. I don't like the jerky movements, that freaks me out. And finally, three girls also witnessed what they described to be a light saucer. They said it had red and green lights around it and it was hovering in front of them for around 10 minutes as they just stared in shock. 
They said it was very silent, it didn't make a sound, which is actually something I hear about a lot when I read about UFO sightings. The girls just seemed really excited about what they saw and very confident about it too. I also thought I'd add that the Halifax Courier newspaper mentioned that around the same time as the UFO sighting in Todmorden, a UFO was reported to have crashed in Reddlesham Forest in Suffolk, just outside of an RAF base. So should I cover that case? I did look into it when I was doing my research and it just looks so interesting. It was just another rabbit hole to dive into, so I won't do it today. But what do you think about all of this? What do you think about the stories? Do you think they're lies? Do you think it's true? Like I said, I'm usually really skeptical when it comes to sightings like these, but Alan's story really did grip me and so did Zygmunt's death. I think the fact that there were no footprints leading up to his body and the fact that he was found on a 10 foot pile of coal and those weird burns and the ointment, it was just so much weird information to take in. And it wasn't even just hearsay, it was, you know, real professionals that were coming out and saying, hey, we don't know what's going on, someone help. Ooh, before I finish this episode, I actually found another little fun fact that made me chuckle, I can't lie. And it was that there was reports of a UFO just casually being towed down a road in the middle of Todmorden. And everyone started to freak out, like, what the hell, like, there's an actual UFO just casually being towed by a lorry through Todmorden. But it did just turn out to be a spaceship house, which was being installed nearby. Um, This house was created by Futuro? Futuro? And to be honest, their houses are actually a vibe. I'm going to post a picture of that on my Instagram as well. You can see, I really like those houses. They're kind of cool. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny to add in there as well. It just made me chuckle. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of my podcast. This one was kind of long and it was around the length that I wanted it to be. Didn't want it to be too long, so I didn't go into too much depth. So listen on the Dark Histories podcast. They did an episode about all of this that's going on. I added it in the show notes. So please go and listen to that. It was very, very cool. And let me know what you think about the case. And let me know what you think about the podcast too by leaving a little review on Apple Podcasts if you can, if you have the time. And I really enjoy covering this case. I was really excited to speak about it. I just think anything to do with aliens is so cool, so interesting, so exciting, because it's always a possibility that all of this did happen because we don't know anything about space. We know just a fraction about space. And the fact that there's almost definitely life out there is just so interesting to me to think about what kind of vehicles do they have? You know, how do they even get here? What type of fuels do they use? There's just so many aspects. And people always bring up this, you know, argument that why would they visit Earth if they had such good technology? You just got to take into consideration like, these aliens probably evolved in a very different way to what we did. So our sort of engines, such as using petrol and maybe our type of gravity and everything about our planet just must be different. Maybe they just come here to study us and study human life. You never know. We might be interesting to them. Who knows? But I really enjoyed covering this and please come back next week for a new episode. This next episode is very intense. It's going to have you thinking about everything. It's going to have you thinking about life and is it even real? It's also really spooky as well, so be prepared for that one. 
and make sure you keep updated by following me on whatever platform you're using so yeah thank you for listening to the take a trip podcast my name is leah and i hope you have an amazing day bye